0: God sent his son They called him Jesus He came to love Heal and forgive He lived and died to buy My pardon An empty grave is there to prove My Savior lives Because He lives I can face tomorrow love that song. It's a community song. There's a whole lot of versions of those words, but it's a community song. The words are a message that shifted time and space and the universe. The music are are the sounds of actual life transformation. The singers are living witnesses. They're living proof that Jesus Christ has risen from the grave. So how do we, how do, we do that? How do we become, because of what Jesus did on Easter, how do we become that living proof We have just come through the church calendar, and, and the church calendar universal said that we had 40 days of Lent, 40 days of giving up something that we really didn't need, 40 days of perhaps giving up something that's been destructive to our lives. And we have to go through those seasons because it, there are those moments in our lives when, when life is so messed up that we seem to just have run out of beauty and, and and the fragrance of, of God's presence that He wants in this world. And we seem to have this, this thing that's just gone through a season of harshness. And, and so we're ending up with, with just weeds and, and everything is dried. And, and so we say, some of this stuff's got to come up. And some of, it, some of it comes up pretty easy. But some of it just seems to have such deep roots that, that no matter how, try, how you try to get it out, it just does not come out. And so you try and try and, and you say, this is not going to take 40. Days, this could take 40 years. It's that deeply rooted stuff that just seems to mess us up. And eventually, we try and we try and we try and we come to the place, we just say, you know, it's just going to be here, so I'll live to, I'll learn to live with it. Jesus put it another way. He said, I'm going to go to the cross and when I go there I want you to follow my example so I want you to take up your cross and follow me which means I need for you to kill the stuff that kills you and that's a difficult at times because we, we come to Easter and Easter was how many enjoyed Easter? Wasn't it great? And Easter service was great. And we go out of there going, Jesus is risen and and now we can conquer and and I can overcome this stuff. And so if Jesus wants me on the cross and to to kill some stuff in my life, I'll put myself up there and and we'll uproot all this ugly stuff. And by Wednesday, we're saying, "Now, now, now how did I feel last Sunday? This is just too hard, and so we come down the cross, and we come back around to Easter Sunday, and we go, yes, I can do this, and we put ourselves back up there, and then it gets tough, and okay, I can't deal with this anymore. It's that stuff that's so deeply rooted. I've been following Jesus ever since I can remember. I'm 55 years old, and, and so it's just, I've always just known Jesus. And you would think after 55 years that I pretty well would have everything uprooted. It's not true. After all I've seen Jesus do and and all the graciousness that He has given me and all the wonderful gifts he's given me, it is amazing to me how selfish I still am. I, I'm selfish. I was at a wedding reception last night and they brought the wedding cake, and you know what I look for? The biggest piece. I caught myself scanning, the, and then I saw people staring at me, so I took the thin one and just put it down. And like, I'm so wonderful. But I wanted the big piece. I know, I've taught you, I've studied that Jesus said, I will guide you in the steps of a person who's valiant for God's truth are ordered by him, and that he will not let you miss anything good in life. He will take you there if you trust him. I know that. And it is amazing to me how impatient I still am when I'm in a line. Because I feel if they don't hurry up, I'm going to miss something down the road. I'm going to miss something important. And those people are there simply because Satan put them in front of me. <laughs> you never want to get in line with me because no matter how short the line is, the line I get in, the person in front of me takes forever. I drive up Peach Street. And you would think that by now I'd have this conquered. But, but I start muttering and, 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 and talking out loud to these people. I, and in fact, I'll say this. You people are part of the, of, the, of the past. And you say, what's the past? It's the PASD, the Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania Association of Stupid Drivers. You are there. And you're having a field trip on my road. Look at you. There is an organization such as that, I'm sure. (laughs) And so let me just be real candid with you. God gave me the most wonderful gift of a beautiful wife, and you know Pam, and she just loves me deeply, and and I love her deeply, and and she is just absolutely amazing and, and beautiful. And yet, in my maleness and humanness, I gotta tell you, I can walk down that mall and go buy Victoria's Secret and want to stare at those posters instead of keeping my eyes focused on that beautiful Sears sign straight ahead. <laughs> you would think that that stuff would be rooted out of me by now. So we've got to deal with this, 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 this stuff that's rooted because we said, yes, Jesus is risen from the grave, but what does that have to do with us? So Jesus rises from the grave his followers have experienced the news. Jesus sent, sent back messengers. He's risen from the grave. But understand that an announcement does not change a corruption. Just because it is stated doesn't mean that it, the uprooting took place. So Jesus shows up and he says to them, touch my scars. Here, touch. Give me something to eat. In doing so, He's establishing both his identity, this is Jesus, and this new prototype of resurrection body. He said, This is true. And so what do they do? Do you think they said, Okay, it's all done? He's risen from the grave. So now, why don't we take one Sunday a year for brunches, bonnets, and bunnies? It'll be great. And and then we'll top it off with a good Gaither song. Yes, we're changed. But those are the same guys. There's still John Mark, the guy that got so frightened in the Garden of Gethsemane that they grabbed his robe as he tried to escape and he streaked right out of there. He ran naked out of the garden. Still the same guy. And there's Peter who denied Jesus three times. The guy who said, I will never, ever leave you. And three times he denied him. And there's Thomas who says, none of this stuff makes sense and I don't believe any of you. These guys have issues, deep-rooted issues. And so I want you to hear today how Jesus responds to that. And Luke, a physician, a historian, writes these words about what Jesus said at that moment, Luke 24. Talking about Jesus, he said, Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. And he said, Yes, it was written long ago, that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It is also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. And here's the message. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. And you are witnesses of all these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Jesus said, now, I've risen from the grave and now we've got to deal with you. And here's what he said, I want you to live the Easter effect. I want you to understand what I've done. And so then he tells them four things. He says to them, first of all, he said, here, I'm going to open your understanding. And here's the understanding, that Jesus would die and rise again. And they finally got it. Because they didn't get it before that. They finally got it. This makes sense. Okay, now I understand. He's, he had to die for the forgiveness of our sins. He had to rise again so that we'd have power over our sin. And so here we are. Th- that's a great message. He said, so he says, So here's the message that you get. The message is this, that there is forgiveness of sins for those who repent. Everybody. And he said, then, there are those who will be The living proof, and it's us. We are the living proof that Jesus rose from the grave. You this week would be living proof that Jesus rose from the grave. You say, But man, I got stuff that's just deeply rooted. How can I do that? And Jesus said, Well, here's the deal you also need the power that comes from literally a higher altitude. For us to get this uprooted, we need this power that is beyond us. Too many of us struggle to be better, and we keep dealing with these problems. So here's what Jesus does. Jesus spends 40 days with them after he has risen from the grave, teaching them how to engage in this power. Then he ascends. Ten days later, after they've spent 10 days praying, he then pours that on top of them. It says, here is the power that Easter is about the wild delight of God's creative power unleashed in you so that it will change you. So you're weeding. You're, you're t- getting rid of attitudes and, and habits, and, and you're, you're getting this stuff out. See, our problem is that as we weed, we just keep finding more stuff. And so we we weed and we weed and then we think we got the ground ready, but we keep waiting for more weeds and we live our life feeling guilty that we've got all this stuff we've got to keep plucking out. But once you weed, you don't leave the ground barren like it is. What do you do? What did we do with those Easter flowers you saw over the stage this last week? Our folks around here took them outside and planted them around the church. You take the Easter flowers and you plant them in the soil of your life. You find the fragrance of God. You find the beauty of God and you start planting this power in you even though all the weeds are not out because it's an amazing thing about God's beauty and his power and his kingdom. He said it's like leaven in bread. You let it take over and it will start permeating everything and wiping out all that stuff in your way. So you take the flowers and you plant them. Bishop N.T. Wright says it so well when he says this, if Lent is a time to give things up, Easter should mean, Easter ought to be a time to take things up. Easter should mean planting, watering, and training up things in your life, personal and corporate, that ought to be blossoming, filling the garden with color and perfume, and in due course, bearing fruit. So this morning, here's what I want us to do. I'm going to give you three practical ways that you can take this beauty of Easter, and plant it in your life right now. And the first is this. Reclaim the sacred spaces. This earth is so messed up, and we think that it is so messed up that that how could God ever connect? And please understand that when God created this earth, heaven and earth were not to be disconnected. You walk into that first garden, that Garden of Eden, God's beauty, God's fragrance, God's power, God walking and and having friendship with his creation. It was an open door into God's presence, an open door into heaven. In fact, God said to Adam and Eve, I want you to multiply. I want you to fill this garden with more people so that they can enjoy this beautiful presence of God's heaven on earth. And then he said, I want you to take dominion over the earth because I want you to take this garden and keep pushing it out until eventually this garden fills the earth and the presence of God multiplies over this earth. And there's a nation, a whole world of people who understand the beauty of God. But see, we've got a problem. There's a law that says this. The person you obey is the person who is your master. Now, as long as they're obeying God, God says, here, you take dominion over the earth, you get to rule it. But the moment they said, we believe Satan instead of God, and they followed his w- rules, his law, Satan then becomes the master. And Satan said, I don't want you to have dominion. I want dominion. And that's why the scripture says that he is the prince of the power of the air over this earth, because he now has the deed, he rules. And he didn't want to plant the beauty of God in that garden. He wanted that which is destructive. That's what is painful. That's which breaks apart relationships. And so that is what he planted in that garden. And eventually that garden would disappear. And we would say, where's God? Where is he in this earth? Now we know that what God intended will come to pass because if you go to the book of Revelation and you see John the Revelator as he's seen visions that are just beyond our comprehension... One of the final things he sees is a new heaven and a new earth reconnecting again. And this Jesus who rose from the grave already has been there. He understands that. And so then he says, here, I want to bring it back here to your moment now where heaven and earth reconnect. So this Jesus, who was fully human and fully divine, dies on a cross and he confronts Satan, the author of death. And he says to him, give it back. Give back the dominion. Give back all of it because I want heaven and earth together. Because you see, because he is human, he has the right to ask. And because he is divine, he has the power to accomplish it. And he takes that deed and he comes back to us and says, remember what you were praying? Come your kingdom be done your will on earth as it is in heaven. Remember that prayer? It is coming to pass now. So now I'm sending you out and you will take the seeds of the resurrection power and you will plant it in places where there is no God presence so heaven and earth can connect. But here's our problem. Do you think that Satan's gonna sit back and just let you do that? Let you plant the beauty of God's fragrance all over this earth? He will fight you. It will come to the place that that battle will just, will rip you out, uh, out your spirit, will tear you up, will, will, will lay you low, and you will feel like, I can't go on. And that brings us then to this place. There's a wonderful Celtic tradition. It's called thin spaces. It is where the curtain between heaven and earth seems almost transparent. Abraham called it an altar. It was the place where he sensed God and where he would go to find a presence of God. In in my tradition, we called them altar calls, where we would go and we would be at a a place in a church where there was this sense of God and his power and his greatness. Jesus called it this, talking to the disciples in Matthew Matthew chapter 6, he says this, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. He said, there are those places that you will make sacred, that you will move into my presence, and it will be a transparent wall as if I am just right there with you. And you sense my presence, and, you, and your faith grows. Where are those sacred spaces, those thin places? Not only will it happen privately, but you will gather corporately and there will be the sense of God. The early church did that at Solomon's colonnade in the temple. They would gather together and there was this awareness of God's presence. Where is that for you? When I was really young before I went to kindergarten, my sister who's 11 months older than I are, so we 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 spent a lot of time together and and we would go to church and they would have these gatherings at the end of the service called an altar call and my mom played the piano. And so these people would come down to pray in this sacred space. And Jeannie and I would sit under the piano and watch them. And we would notice that they cried when they came. Many of them cried because there was such an awareness of God, it just broke everything inside of them, and they began to weep over the fact that God was there and that God forgave them for their sins and God was answering their prayers. Now, we were too young to understand that. We just noticed that when they came forward, they cried. So we decided that if they cried, then we're supposed to cry. So we started hitting each other (laughs) until we would start to cry. Didn't make a difference, except we got grounded. I began to understand later in life that there were these sacred spaces. So for me, in, in my college years, there was a chapel on campus, and I would go there, and I'd walk in, and there would just be this presence of God, this sacred space. For a couple of years, we had some paths through the woods that are over on this side of our property and, and I would walk through those, those paths and it was a sacred space for me. It was like God was right there. I can walk in this room. We call it an auditorium. We call it a sanctuary. And I walk in here and there is just this awareness. It's like a, a thin space. It's, it's between me and God. There is this openness. There are those places where the presence of God is easy. And my question to you is, where is that for you? We've got to reclaim those. We've got to find those, those places that God says, here. You say, but, but, but God's everywhere. Yeah, but there's places that are a lot easier. In fact, let me just show you, and I'm going to pick on some folks this morning that didn't, didn't know this was going to happen, but because I can always pick on them. Jeff and Deb, come here. You guys have been married how long? 32. 32 years. You still love each other? Of course. Do you like to kiss? What? Do you like to kiss? Oh, yeah. Do you like to kiss? <laughs> kiss each other. What? Oh, pff. it's not a wedding. Come on. All right. Now, I just want you to take a couple paces back. Keep go both of you. Keep going back. Farther, farther. Keep going, keep going. Maybe more than a couple. Go, go. Okay. Now, kiss each other. She blew you a kiss. You can wave. Okay, come closer. Come closer, come closer. Keep coming. Okay, right here. You ready? Now I want you to kiss each other. Ready, go. (laughs) What's the problem? I'm in the way. Now listen to me. There is this intimacy that God has for us and there are places you go, you say God is everywhere, but there seems to be the separation and you want to embrace an intimacy with God and you can't get to him because there's too much space between you. Then there's other places you say, I'm close enough, but you've got distractions. You've got things in the way. You've got people in the way. But there are those places you come to where you can come to God and it is a sacred space that you can come together and you can kiss. You can go sit down now. Get a room. <laughs> I remember sitting and listening to Dr. Yonggi Cho, who pastors the huge church in Seoul, Korea. And he said there are those moments that he goes to certain places in Asia where he tries to explain who Jesus is and, and bring in a, an awareness of God's presence, and it's like running into a wall. So you know what he does? He puts them on a plane and flies them to Seoul, Korea and brings them into his territory where it is a sacred space and suddenly there is this understanding of who God is. That is why we tell you that it must be part of your 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 tradition, your routine on a regular basis to find those sacred spaces because it's only in those moments that suddenly we get an understanding as Jesus came to the disciples and he said, here, now understand what I'm saying. And they go, oh, I get it. If I only come to those sacred spaces once every six or seven weeks, I am ripping out my opportunity to understand what God is doing around me and in me and through me. You see, you find those locations and God says, here, let me plant my Easter power in you. And you see, unless we do that, we cannot gripe to him, I don't have enough power to make it through the life if I have not come into those sacred spaces. So on your outline, you have a question. Where are my places? And this morning, you're going to respond to that. So I want you just to turn to somebody next to you and be honest and you say, they're going to say, where are my places? And you say, well, mine is here, here. Or you might say, I got to find some. You ready? That means you have to talk to each other. Ready? Go. Where are my places? All right, thank you. Now, it is not going to do you any good to have sacred spaces unless you also renew sacred time. So I want you to repeat this after me. Just say it right after me. Jesus is Lord. Lord. Say it again. Okay, so when you read in the scripture the gospel. That is the gospel. You see, the Romans were always saying, Caesar is Lord. And the Christians said, no, no, he rose from the grave, and therefore he's what? He's Lord. Jesus is Lord. And so they began to declare, Jesus is Lord of space, of time, and of matter, that his resurrection power will be infused in those arenas of our life and they will be dedicated to him and his purposes. So they said, let's take time, and we will dedicate it to his resurrection power. So the day after the Sabbath, the day that Jesus rose from the grave, Sunday, they set it aside and said, this will be sacred time. In fact, Acts 20 records one of those moments, and here's what it says that on the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. And Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, they kept on talking until midnight, which I will do today. Uh, I won't. Look, the early church said, he rose on Sunday, we're going to honor him on Sunday, and therefore, we are going to call this a sacred time. We will set this aside for him. It will be here and they would get up early on on Sunday and they would take care of their business whatever they needed to do so they could have this sacred moment and gathering together on those Sundays they would say today we tell you again he's risen from the grave and next Sunday today we say he's risen from the grave well yeah he's, he's risen every day but they said here's a sacred moment we declare he's risen from the grave today and we declare on this first day of the week that he's renewing everything from this point on and every day this week so we give you this day oh Lord that's why we have first day prayer we gather at 9 o'clock in the gymnasium to say today you have risen from the grave today you begin the renewing process in our jobs on our campuses in my mind in my family today we renew and God fills those sacred moments and as time would go on because you see they would honor the Sabbath still and then they would take this day the time would come in through church history that they would realize that, that the scriptures say that you got to have a Sabbath day, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a Saturday. So they moved it to Sunday and said, on this day is our day of rest where we do not work. But we still declare, he is Lord, he is risen. And this is the beginning of a renewal process. See, my concern is this that that sacred time has just become a time. It's just one of the things we placed on our calendar throughout the week. In fact, we spend more time on the golf course, or we spend more time on the racquetball court, or we spend more time at the mall, we spend more time, whatever it is, in front of that television, and we give all of that space, and we say, oh, by the way, two hours for you, Jesus, on Sunday and I appreciate that you're here. But he fills those sacred times with his presence. It is a moment to declare, you are Lord, and we will be renewed. In addition to that, if we do not honor the cycle that God created in creation, he worked six days, and he rested on the seventh, you think God needed rest? He said, here's your pattern. If you do not follow a pattern of resting one day a week and by doing so, saying, I trust that you'll take care of my job and everything else that needs to be done and I will rest in you, we will burn ourselves out because we are violating the cycle that he gave us. This is not legalism. But it is posturing ourselves where the refreshing of God has already been established. When Pam and I went on sabbatical a year ago last summer, I was so tired and so used to going and working on Sunday mornings that for the first two Sundays, I think it was, we did not go to church on a Sunday morning. And, and we got through the next week and I said, man, I'm just, I feel out, out, out of kilter here. And it dawned on me that we had not set aside the sacred time in a sacred place. And so we found a church and went to visit. And when I walked out of that place that morning, I said, "Ah, everything's back in rhythm. It's in place. So my question is, where are those sacred moments for you where the world is pushed off? Where do you go where you and God's people declare that he is Lord of time and space and matter? Where do you let him take time to plant and to water and to grow his graces in you? It is in that spot we come to the most remarkable understanding. I was reading this week in in Luke, the eighth chapter, and there were three stories, one right after the other, that Luke put there on purpose. And it tells us about this planting. The first story, he, he says, is that a man went out to sow some seed and he threw some, some seed and it fell on, on a pathway. And then it fell on, a, on some ground that had hard rock underneath the soil. And then it, it fell on good soil except that it had weeds and they grew up and they choked it. And the disciples said, oh, we don't get it. And Jesus said, well, when you take this wonderful power and you, and you throw it on a place where people don't understand, they just don't grab it. And there are other people who understand it, but they don't have the power to break through the stuff that's underneath the soil. And then there are those people who really want to believe, but they get choked out with worries and, and, and their jobs and their wealth. He said, but there is this good soil. And here's what he says, Luke eight fifteen. And the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, now catch this, hear his word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. Where do you hear it? The best place to hear it is in a sacred space at a sacred time. If you hear it, and at that moment you can cling to it, he will begin to grow it in you, an understanding of how you live life, an understanding of how you parent, an understanding of what you should do with your business. Don't you think God wants you to prosper in your business and in your family life? He said, come to those sacred moments, those sacred gatherings, and I will tell you that stuff. Luke goes on to say that Jesus then tells them that as he grows this in them they become the light of the world we talked about this in our last series vivid color and then Jesus says this about that brilliance in us that color Luke 8.18 pay attention to how you hear to those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. He says this, be careful to perceive how you give God an audience. Do you give God that sacred spot? Because if you do, not only will he help you understand what he's saying, but he'll bring you more understanding on how to live life and how to raise your children and how to go to, to college, what you should do, what the future is. He said, if you will Take those sacred moments in those sacred spaces. I will give you understanding as to what the future is for you. But if you don't, look, you you don't take bad soil and keep planting flowers in it. And he said, if your soil is bad, I'm not putting anything else in there. And not only will you not get any more understanding, I'll take away what you thought you already had. Where is your sacred time? About that moment, Jesus' mother and his family show up. And he said, hey, your family's here. And Jesus responds this way. Luke 8, 21, he replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. He said, now, here's the deal. You want to be close to me, you want to be intimate with me, then you've got to give me those sacred moments where you hear what I have to say and you cling to it and I grow it in you. You say, but I hear God all the time. I love my wife deeply. And we will communicate. She works during days, and so do I. And, and so we'll communicate. I'll call her, or if she's someplace else, I might text her. And we'll communicate. We'll connect. And I'm, I know she's alive, and I know we love each other. And, and, and we'll say, hey, how you doing? And we'll, I'll stop by her store and say, hey, just wanted to say, I missed you, and how you doing? And those are wonderful moments. But Friday night, it's our date night. So if you call me for something, you're not getting me. It's our date night. And Monday, it's our day off together. And so we may do the yard work together or clean the house together or we'll go shopping together. (laughs) We may go to a movie together. But we are together because that's our sacred time. And without that sacred time, we will not draw closer together and we will not feel like family. I want to tell you, this is not religion and this is not just some, some kind of schedule you've got to keep because, because it's legalism. Jesus wants to be with you and he said, I will only do that in intimacy with sacred time. And you should make it in a sacred space. So I have a question for you. Where are my times and so I'm going to ask you to just turn to the person next to you and tell them where are those times where are those sacred times for you and you might just say oh I need some ready go Thank you. Okay, so we're talking about reclaiming sacred space and renewing sacred time. And there's one more step it's reactivate sacred matter. They're called sacraments, they're not idols. They're not talismans. They're not like the Ark of the Covenant when Israel quit worshiping God, but they thought it was magical, so they took it in front of their enemies, the Philistines, and it had no power, and the Philistines took the Ark from them. But it wasn't minus power. It was minus presence because the Philistines then took that Ark of the Covenant and put it by their God in their temple, the God called Dagon, this huge, this huge, huge idol, they put it right next to it and the next day they came back and the idol had fallen over. They put it back up. Next day it had fallen over again. God's power was still there but it's not because it's an, it's an idol and it's not because it's some talisman that you use. Sacraments are traditions and symbols drawing us to the divine. And I don't fully understand how this happens but it's the way that God designed us you know, I think of the, the guy who said to a, a beautiful ballerina who just had done this wonderful dance, he said to her, would you tell me, would you tell me what that meant? And she said, if I, had to, if, if, I was able, if I was able to say it, I wouldn't have danced it. There's just something about that expression. So this morning when I took that bread, this is his body. tells me his redemptive move on my, on my behalf. And, and this is his cup, this is his blood. And in a couple weeks, as some of you are immersed in water, you say, I reckon myself dead to sin and alive to Christ. I've died with him and I rose with him. He is not that water, he is not that bread, he is not that cup, but his divinity surrounds that and we are so aware of him. So that I can say, I am washed by you. I am fed by you. So what is sacred to you? Maybe you come from a tradition of foot washing. Maybe you like to, to raise your hands as you worship. Maybe you like to bow down and, and, and stretch, prostrate on the floor. What is a symbol that's important to you? The cross, a What what is that? And I've got to confess to you, so this is my morning confession that in order to, to help us with what we do on this stage, we put a curtain up and, and there are two crosses right there. And some of you came to me throughout the last couple of years and said, Pastor, we don't see any crosses. And, and so I explained to you that there are places all over the world people are worshiping where there are no crosses. But Jesus is still risen from the grave and we, t- we talk about that and, and yet you desire to see that. And, and I gotta tell you, I, I now understand that, that those symbols that we have. Invite God to inhabit the sacredness of that moment and he speaks to us. So I'll tell you what we're doing. We've taken those two crosses off behind the curtain and next Sunday they're going to be up on these walls here. Just so that if that is an important symbol for you, it's there now. So my question to you is not only where's your space and where's your time, but what are the symbols that you see and go, yes, yes, It's not that he is that, but the sacredness of that moment draws him in. And so the question I ask is what are your sacraments? Tell each other. Go ahead. Thank you. So the church of Jesus has been commissioned to be living proof in this world's time, space, and matter. And we get to claim it for the kingdom of God through the lordship of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we begin in those sacred spaces not as a retreat from the world but actually as a bridgehead into the world around us because we cannot function in this world unless we have this, this flourishing and this beauty and this power of God that is coming up through our own lives. And when we find that sacred time, we put it aside in that sacred space and those symbols and traditions it energizes us so that we enter into a world and say, here is the resurrection power of Jesus. Come, your kingdom be done, your will, in this home, in this business, in this city. Because he has such great delight in putting his power in us and through us. And therefore, we become living proof. That because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. And life is worthy worthy just because worth living just because he lives. So will you stand? And in just a moment, I'm going to pray a blessing on you, but before I do, I'm going to invite our elders and their spouses and the staff that's available and their spouses just to spread out across the front here come now that's it just and here's where we're going to dismiss how we're going to end this I'm going to pray a blessing on you and then we're going to Jenny's going to lead us in some worship because I think this morning some of you need some sacred space and time you know you're going someplace where that cl- closeness to God is not so, so strongly felt as it is here right now because this is a sacred space. And you've got to deal with some issues. You, you need some of those Easter flowers growing up in you. And so these folks are here to pray with you, or you can just come in these empty spaces right here and, and just kneel and, and pray however you want to. And if you want to know more about a relationship with God through Jesus, just come up and say, tell me more, and they will help you. But folks, if we're going to become what God designed us to be, then we've got to have these spaces and that time and those sacraments. So now, may you this week find those sacred spaces. May you get close to God as if if heaven was just where you are. And may you on your calendar place those times where you go to where those spaces are and say, God, I'm here to declare you in time, in space, and in matter. And may you see those symbols that mean so much to you, may you see in them His presence. And in the sacredness, may He reveal to you understanding. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. If you'd like to come and have some prayer or to, to spend some time worshiping, please do. If you're leaving, please do it quietly so that it does not disturb those who are praying. God bless you.